What's up, guys? Tanner Nimling here with y'all, as always. Welcome back to another episode of the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. A lot of news, a lot of notes, a lot of games to get to from this past weekend. Starting off here in the NLL, um, kind of new format I'm going to use here instead of recapping every game. Just going to kind of go through the scores and then give a brief, uh, you know, three to five takeaways from the weekend. So, going over the NLL scores from the weekend here to start things off. New England 12, New York 8. Rochester 13, New York 12, Buffalo 13, Halifax 9, Toronto 9, Saskatchewan 8, defensive battle there, Colorado 11, Philadelphia 10, San Diego 13, Calgary 12, Georgia 14, Vancouver 7, and New England 16, Halifax 10. Um, some takeaways from this weekend. So, first off, um, <clears throat> New England getting those two wins. I believe that puts them, uh, let's pull up the standings here while we're at it. Uh, that puts New England in first place in the East Division, which is a, a, a pretty wild East Division, um, I, I, I must say. Um, you have New England at seven and three, Georgia with six and four. They absolutely annihilated Vancouver over the weekend. Philadelphia seven and five, New York one and eleven sitting there in last place. Uh, so New England, obviously, I think they've kind of hit a rough patch a little bit coming into this weekend. Um, it, it it seemed like, but. They've really got going again um, this past weekend, getting those two wins. Obviously, I thought the the game against the Riptide, I didn't get to see that one, but that scoreline looks a little bit closer than I would have expected it to be. Um, Halifax, you know, I got to catch that one. They, I mean, Halifax, I'm, I'm not so sold. I'm not as sold on them as I was a few weeks ago. Uh, they are currently tied in the North Division for first place with Toronto at 7-3. and three. Halifax, or excuse me, Buffalo and Toronto are tied 7-3 and three for first place in the North. Halifax is 7-4. and four. They're half a game back. And then Rochester is five games back in that division sitting in last place. <clears throat> so it was a good weekend for the Black Wolves. And then, you know, we, we we had those two trades that went down over the past few weeks. New England and, uh, excuse me, New York and Rochester both engaging in trades. Um, the one to send Dan Lomas to Colorado Colorado beats Philadelphia 11 to 10. This one was Philadelphia, man, give them the credit in this one. They were able to come back down the stretch. They almost got this one. Um 
I thought Dan Lomas, you know, Dan Lomas looked very good, very comfortable in this offense, really leading them um, in this victory. So, I mean, and yeah, everyone thought it was a win for Colorado off the bat. Um, it, it proves to be just that, a win for Colorado. New York, I mentioned they could uh, get some younger guys involved in the offense with that trade. Uh, some new, some guys involved that may weren't involved um, as much. And you saw them do that, but they still fall short as they still just have one win on the season. Rochester has two wins on the season. Also, with uh, Dan Lintner going in that trade with Rochester, sending Dan Lintner to Buffalo, uh, he had a good game with the Bandits, uh, so seems to be working fine there in Buffalo as uh, they got that win over Halifax. I uh, believe they they had lost to Halifax earlier in the season. I remember uh, Buffalo's offense looking good. Again, um, they had a much-needed uh, bye week two weeks ago. I think it really has, has energized them for a good run down here. We're getting into the more deeper into the second half of the season. I uh, believe every team is now kind of in the second half of the season. You know, this, this year's schedule um, has really killed momentum for a lot of teams uh, we're heading into week 15 this weekend, uh, only 22 weeks in the NLL calendar. Um, and, you know, I'm going to end this NLL segment here with kind of answering a question that I've been getting is, you know, which which teams do you think are poised to make a run um, here in the second half of the season? You know, I think the number one team that comes to mind, and just because they did a similar thing last year, is Calgary. Um, you look at, the, they're getting Dane Doby back, and yeah, they took a loss last weekend to San Diego. Um, but I think Calgary's poised for a big run here down the stretch. Um, Saskatchewan, I think they can. Um, and, and, you know, you saw how much of a defensive battle it was against Toronto. I think the defense is going to have to step up maybe a bit more. Um, I'm assuming the offense is going to have to step up a bit more, and I know they only have like one uh, bye week left this season, so it's a drug out long ending to the season for them. So uh, it's it, it's it's a long end to the season for them. So we'll see uh, how they do there. But uh, I still think Saskatchewan and Georgia um, are, are going to be the two in the finals this year. Uh, and I I think you know look at the swarm. Look what they've done over the past couple weeks. They started to put the pieces together. They're clicking on all cylinders uh, right now. Certainly, you know, beating up on New York and on Vancouver the past two weeks. So uh, we'll see where that takes them. But right now, the number one team that I would say is probably poised for a big run is Calgary, just with everything they have back and the timing that everything has come back together. Now, Jesse King is still out. Um, I'm waiting. You know, I don't know when they're going to get him back, if they are going to get him back. But um, if they do get him back, we saw what happened last year with him. And they didn't lose once they got him back. So if something similar like that can, hap- can happen again this year, I think that would be 
that would be uh, very, very good for this Calgary team, who has already shown, you know, they have uh, Dane Doby, Reese Dutch, and Curtis Dixon. Those three offensively have just been spark plugs over the past few weeks, just absolutely lighting it up. Uh, so you already have that. Uh, Christian Del Bianco is one of the best in the game. Can always count on him. Uh, to you know, he he's the kind of goalie that can win you games. You know, I mentioned uh, Cali and Georgia. Now I'll I'll go to so that's the West and the East Division. I'll go to the North Division here. Um, you know, a lot a lot can be said about Buffalo, and I think they're definitely going to be in the playoff picture. Um, I believe right now I haven't seen the uh, the latest playoff picture, and I don't have all all of that all those numbers sitting in front of me right now. But I believe they're in there at least, at least like a five seed somewhere in there. So at the moment, um, three five seed somewhere in that range. Uh, so I think Buffalo can go on a run, but uh, I I think the one team that you have to look at, and this depends on if Dan Dawson is back. Um, as he was on IR last week. And Toronto, man, they've been the most injury decimated team this season. It's it's been tough for them. They uh, no injuries galore for that team. Haven't had Adam Jones all season. Tom Schreiber's been banged up. Obviously, you know, he dislocated his shoulder in the PLL uh back in the fall. Didn't play in the world indoors, uh, and he's been hurt this year. In the NLL as well, so Tom Schreiber, you gotta wonder about his health down the stretch here uh, after having so many tours ACL. Was it two years ago? So you gotta wonder about him. Uh, but I think if they can keep all these pieces together, if they can stay healthy, uh, the the past couples, the next uh, few weekends, I think this is a team that. Can certainly go. I don't know if they're going to go the distance. I'm not going to call them to go the distance, but I think they're a playoff bound team, most definitely, especially uh, if these pieces that they have stay healthy. And if Dan Dawson comes back, I don't think there's a question in my mind that Toronto um, can be poised for a big run down the stretch of the regular season. Now, on the flip side of that, I'll, I'll, I'll add in a team that I might be uh, a bit worried about coming into uh, the as we get deeper into the second half of the season. As Vancouver, I mean, look, look. New York and Rochester ain't doing nothing this year. We kind of knew that coming in, right? Vancouver is probably the one team that worries me the most. About and I think they had some momentum building, but obviously that loss against San Diego, it feels like that just sucked the entire life out of that squad. Uh, Bob Snyder is hurt. You know he's on the IR for the rest of the season. Big big injury for them there at the faceoff dot, and I'm not one of those people that thinks fa- that thinks uh, that think faceoffs matter. In box lacrosse, as much in as much as field lacrosse. Now, I do think, however, situationally, now at the end of the game, when you have to win that faceoff to to uh, to push the issue and, and and possibly get a shot, I think that obviously that's important, right? That is obviously something that you want to do. 
That's when the face-off matters. And if you have a horrific defense, face-offs matter. When Bob Snyder went down against San Diego, and the Seals just absolutely burned Vancouver the rest of the game, I think that shows for that team, it might have and. For that team, especially with a decimated defense, you know, Nick Bielich is uh, went down first game of the season. When you'll get a team like that, that has had, that has a decimated defense to an extent, faceoffs do matter more than more than maybe they do for other teams. So, um, just with him being out, I just don't like Vancouver's chances um, of even catching San Diego. Um, in the standings. Moving on to the college game, um, a lot went down last weekend, um, last week, and I'll go over some things here. So, uh, I'll start. I'll read some some of the last some of the midweek scores from last week. So, last Wednesday, Loyola beat Towson fifteen to six in that rivalry game. And then Friday, uh, Syracuse beat Hobart twenty one to thirteen to capture the Krause Simmons Trophy. Duke beat Richmond 16-15 to in a rematch of the, uh, the first-round playoff battle last year in the NCAA tournament. Uh, I believe that is the second or third straight one-goal loss against Duke for Richmond. Um, looking at some other scores here, Providence beat Brown in overtime 13-12 to capture the Ocean State Cup. Maryland... Um, Absolutely burned Notre Dame in the second half to win 14-9. to uh, Logan McNaney, or is how you pronounce his name, got his uh, freshman, got his first career start and goal for the Terrapins. Uh, a couple of these games I'll talk about in a minute here. Uh, UMass 13, Yale 10. The Minutemen upset the... Uh, the Bulldogs, number one team in the country at the time. Penn State, 18. Penn, 17. In overtime, Mac O'Keefe with the game winner there. Uh, Michael Sowers went on an absolute tear again as Princeton beat Hopkins, 18-11. to Some other key scores here. Uh, Bucknell, 20. Marist, 11. Will York with nine goals in this one, breaking the Patriot League and Bucknell record for goals in a game. Villanova gets the win over Delaware, and they're looking like a team to beat, uh, the team to beat outside of Georgetown in the Big East. Uh, speaking of Georgetown, they beat Bellarmine 13-4. We also saw Stony Brook defeat Rutgers 14-13. And then on Sunday, North Carolina took down Denver 15-13. to Virginia took care of Air Force 15-5. to Cornell took down Ohio State 17-16. to And Monday night, High Point beat St. Bonaventure 13-8. to So, uh... Some takeaways from this weekend. Um, one, I think the the one takeaway you have to have is 
what in the world is going on. <laughs> I think that's the kind of mindset you have to go through the entire February with. Um, but in all honesty, here, some takeaways here. Um, besides, everything is a mess, and what are we going to do? Um, I, I mean, honestly, I think... I think Maryland kind of showed themselves and exposed Notre Dame to maybe what they are. Um, The the two biggest games that I watched were UMass, Yale, Penn State, Penn. And I think think Penn State made a good case for why they're the best team in the country, um, beating Penn. But I also think Penn made a good case for why they're a top team in the country this year as well. Um, and then UMass, UMass showed they're a top 20 team, and, like, UMass is weird, UMass is weird, guys, because they lost, they got, they got absolutely uh, annihilated by, by Army, they lost to Harvard, but they, uh, and they barely beat UMass Lowell, but they showed up in the big games, beating Ohio State, beating Yale, they showed what they have this weekend, um, Matt Note, freshman, Goalie for the for the uh, the Minutemen, absolutely outstanding performance, young man. He played fantastic, fantastic in this one. Um, really, really great performance from him. Uh, the Minutemen, I think, uh, coming into March here on, on a high note. They play Albany this weekend. Uh, we'll see what they're made of down the sh- uh, as we get deeper into the season, but. Uh, the Minutemen in the CAA, I, I think you, you don't want to mess with them. Um, Princeton, we know what Michael Sowers can do. And I, I, I want to mention this. So this weekend's rankings, um, inside lacrosse rankings, the polls read this, okay? Number one, Syracuse. I think that's perfectly fine right now. Syracuse is playing at the top of the is at the top of the game. They're one of only, what, five teams that are undefeated at the moment. Uh, Penn State, number two. I'm, you know, I, I love Penn State. I love what they've, what they've done this year. I think they're playing fantastic lacrosse right now. Um, Glenn and Matt, Matt O'Keefe, Jack Kelly. Um, Colby Kinese, actually in that Penn game, really held his own. Penn pushed, was coming back late in the game. And Colby Kinese, man. He stood on his head for most of that game, but really late in the game. Penn had some opportunities. Fantastic play for the goalie. Princeton, number three. North Carolina, number four. Cornell, number five. Yale, number five. Have a tie there. I don't really agree with ties, but whatever. Uh, Maryland, number eight. Virginia, uh, excuse me, Maryland, number seven. Virginia, number eight. Penn, nine. Notre Dame, 10. Loyola, 11. Georgetown, 12. Duke, 13. Villanova, 14. UMass, 15. Army, 16. Denver, 17. Lehigh, 17. Tied as well. Uh, Then rounding out the top 20 is Ohio State at 19. And Richmond at 20. Um, I would probably say this rankings this weekend. And this is going back to Princeton here. Why is Princeton a top three team? Because, and I know we don't want to go off last year, 
They went seven and seven last year. Yeah, Michael Salas is a great player, and their offense is pretty daggone good. But this is who they've beaten: Monmouth twenty to nine, Colgate twenty to eleven. Their only ranked win is to Virginia, sixteen to twelve. And while that's an impressive win, and I think at the end of the year, Virginia is going to be a top three, top five team. Since when do we, and they, they beat a John Hopkins team who, honestly, I believe, it, if they don't, if John Hopkins does not get this together, they're the most disappointing team in college across right now. They got Syracuse coming up this week. If they don't win that one, John Desco's seat is getting a little hot. So, you know, it, it is what it is. But I, I think I, the Princeton hype, I'm not buying it yet. I don't buy Ivy League hype. No, I don't. Never have, never will. Um, I don't buy hype for Ivy League teams. Unless you have proven time and time again that you are a top three team and you're an Ivy League school, I'm not buying that. Never have, never will. I don't care if you have the best player in the country on your team. One player does not define an entire team. That's my little two cents there on Princeton. Now, I want to talk about Bucknell for a minute. Um, Bucknell and Dartmouth, actually. Um, so, Dartmouth is 3-0 for the first time since 2006, I believe. Congrats to those guys. I know um, they've been building something over there for the past few years. Um so just wanted to, to to give them a little bit of love there. Uh, I know a lot of people hate on, not hate on Dartmouth, but they're, they're not a, a top-tier program by any stretch, and they got top 20 votes this year, uh, this week. So uh, good to see them kind of getting back um, to maybe prominence within the conference. Um, and conference play has only started for the Patriot League so far. Um, so we'll see how things go once they get into Ivy play. Um, but I, I do want to talk about Bucknell because I I think Bucknell, the, Bucknell, you know, last year, so they've beaten Furman, Bryant, Sacred Heart. They lost to Ohio State 15-11. to They came back in that one. Ohio State ultimately was able to ward them off. I think Ohio State's a bit better than people giving them credit for. Um, Binghamton and Marist. They basically blew out both of those teams. They start conference play this weekend with Boston U. At Boston U, then they play at Loyola. And they have Canisius, Non-Con, Colgate, Army, at Lehigh, Holy Cross, Lafayette, and the U at Navy. Will York has 31 points so far. Alston Terry has 26. And Tommy Sapoko has 21. That's their attack. Harry Welford has 12. Then uh, Summer Burbar, I believe is how you pronounce that. Apologies if I mispronounced that one. But he has 10. That's their top three attack. And top two midfield. 
it's a pretty pretty good pretty good team there. Now though defense they they short stick defensive midfielders. And their defense in the midfield, I, I absolutely love what they've done there. And that's really been a crucial for them, getting those transition opportunities and things of that nature. That's really been what they've prided themselves on so far this season. Uh, their D-mid is actually a lot what I thought Villanova's was going to look like. Now Jared Warner is injured for Villanova right now. Villanova's def- uh, short-stick D-mids with Chet uh, Camizio, who's the brother of TJ Camizio, who we'll talk about here in a second, uh, who played for the Atlanta Blaze over the summer. We'll talk about him and some other guys here in a second um, as we end the podcast here with some news and notes. But um, he's playing very well for, for, for the Wildcats. But Bucknell's D-mids are, are stellar. And, you know, I talked about, wrote that article last week about um, Boston U having the best um, LSM tandem in the country. I Bucknell could have the best short stick defensive midfield tandem or group or whatever you call it in the country as well. So, you know, a lot's been said about their offense, but their defense is just as good. This is a team in in the wide open Patriot League this year. I think Loyola still has asserted themselves as the top dog in that conference already. Um, but certainly Bucknell is a team that. They played decently last year. They were a bit younger. I think having another year under their belt um, for a lot of these guys, I think has helped a lot. And um, I wouldn't be too shocked if we see them in the in the, in the uh, Patriot League Championship game this year. Uh, obviously, it's still early, so uh, a lot can happen. But uh, that's definitely a team to watch as the year progresses. Um, I know a lot has been said about Army and Loyola, but... Bucknell definitely, uh, at least for me, a team to watch, and for y'all as well, a team to watch in the uh, Patriot League. Now, uh, some final thoughts here about the weekend. Um, I do want to touch on North Carolina and Cornell. Um those are two teams. I have not been able to see Cornell, uh, like a full game of Cornell this year. I know Jeff Teach real good. I know John Piatelli's real good. I know Jonathan Donville's really good. If you haven't watched Jonathan Donville play, guys, boxer field, kid's outstanding. Michael Long is a freshman. He's real good. Um, the Big Red, are, I think they're back. Um, their defense has been a little suspect uh, Chase Irwin had a decent game against Ohio State. Um, but overall, their defense has been a bit suspect. They have some good face-off, uh, good face-off guy this year, I believe, um, with Paul Razmowski, I believe how you pronounce that, um, and uh, uh, Angelo Petrikus has also gotten some time as well. Uh, and uh, Tim Graham, I believe, the Australian native, I believe, has gotten a bit of time as well, um, if I do not. If I'm uh, not mistaken, but uh, so they have, I think they have a good face-off group. They have some good younger players like JJ Lombardo, sophomore midfielder, that are contributing kind of on the back end of that D on that midfield. Um, obviously, freshman Michael Long has has been outstanding. 
um, as as the third in terms of production, the third attackman. So we'll see how the bit how far the big red go. But so far, it's been a decent year for Cornell um, and North Carolina as well. Chris Gray is not getting the credit. Uh, some of these other guys, maybe because they're not playing, they haven't played as much uh, top tier competition so far yet. But uh, what they did to Denver, and I don't think Denver's a top team this year at all. I don't really think they're a top 20 team. Uh, if they are, you know, they're, they're 20th. Um, but just what UNC, what Joe Brescia and the Tar Heels have done this year, I've uh, been really impressed with. So we'll see how they do down the stretch, certainly with Chris Gray at the helm of this revitalized North Carolina offense. All right, guys. So um, I did mention that we do have some college games tonight um, on a Tuesday night. Um, UMass and Albany, Hartford and Manhattan, Army and Binghamton, Mount St. Mary's and Richmond, UMBC and Towson, uh, Stony Brook and Sacred Heart, and Fairfield and LIU. Uh, the two big ones for me, UMass and Albany, Mount St. Mary's, Richmond, and UMBC and Towson. I'm also interested to see Stony Brook, Sacred Heart as well. I think that could be a decent one. Uh, but you know, those uh, th- previously I mentioned, uh, kind of the, the, the better ones, um, I, I should say. <clears throat> now, I do want to go over some... Pro lacrosse, pro field lacrosse, and news and notes here. So, um, the MLL held their is holding their or has held their um, expansion draft today. Uh, results have not been released yet. I do know a couple how a couple things are going to shake out, but I don't want to put them out there just yet. I'll let the league do that. Um. But we do have some news and notes here for um, players coming over. So I think I mentioned this last week that it was a possible. So here's the list that I know that I was told last week about. Um, TJ Camizio, Christian Mazzone, Jesse Bernhardt, and Craig Chick. Um, that's who I was told about last week as coming over. Uh, Dan Arestia reporting those today. Believe all three of those um, coming over, as well as some others, and I'll get into those here. So, uh, Arrestia also reports Dylan Ward is re-signing with Denver. No surprise there. Plays with the Mammoth coaches. High school in the area uh, is a crucial part of lacrosse in the Denver area. Eli Gobrecht is coming over to the PLL, also according to. Arrestia. So, um, a lot of guys coming over this off season, and I know I've, I've, I've I want to touch on some guys that I think of this list that I currently have the list that we kind of known who would maybe have the biggest day one impact in the PLL. Um, and then I also want to touch on if we'll see guys go the other way. Um, so, first off, who do I think would have the biggest impact on you know, any team right away um, coming from MLL to PLL? So, first off, I want to state this. 
I don't think there's one guy that you can say, okay, he's going to have the biggest impact in this league. I don't think there's one guy that you can say that about. I will say this, though. Given the right situation, I given the right situation, this goes for all of those guys. I think if, unless you are a... Rob Pennell type figure. And I'm not I'm not saying he's coming over. I'm just mentioning his name. He's the biggest name on the free agency market right now. Unless you are that kind of of that ilk. You're not gonna come in and day one be a starter. That's just not gonna happen. There's not enough spots to promise that to guys. So I think it's going to be a, a case-by-case basis, and I'll be interested to see. Um, I think it's two weeks when the PLL entry draft is. They will have their entry draft lottery um, tomorrow, so we'll be back on the podcast going over that. Um, but after all of this, I think if TJ Camizio is put in the right situation, I think he can be the best short-stick defensive midfielder in professional lacrosse. Watch what he did at Villanova. Watch what he did with the Atlanta Blaze. I think you put him on a team like Chaos or a team that gets up and down and runs the field well. Chaos, Whipsnakes. I, I, I can't see Whipsnakes um, getting him, you know, put him and Jared Warner out there together. I think that would be Outstanding, but I just don't see Whip Snakes getting him because they have so many guys right now already. Um, and it, it depends on how how the other guys. I believe there's like thirty plus guys I've been told that are coming over. So we'll see how everything shakes out. But I do think T.J. Camizio, given the right situation, can be the best defensive midfielder in professional lacrosse. I do mention, you know. Um, when I watch him play, you know, I kind of see Jared Warner, um, or Ty Warner, excuse me. I kind of see Jared's at Villanova. Ty is uh, with Whip Snakes, played for Yale. Um, I see a bit of Ty Warner with his his ability and his offensive ability. Um, I see a bit. I, I think I told someone this the other day. I said he's like Mark Gossini with his, his kind of hustle and his motor. But he has his head screwed on straight, meaning he's not going to go. I can't see TJ Camizio giving up his body for shots and things like that. Um, I believe he has blocked shots in the MLL last year, but uh, we'll see. We'll see what he does um, there. But I do think TJ Camizio, given the right situation, can be uh, the most successful of any player coming over. Now, I do want to mention. Guys coming from PLL to MLL. Um, I don't think that's going to happen this year. And I've been talking to some people today, yesterday, um, about some players that want to do that, but it's not going to happen because the PLL contracts... For most guys, except for a few that retired, is what I was told, are two years. So, they can't get out of the contract. Um, 
And I'm going to let y'all speculate on kind of which guys that might be that want to leave. But I believe if you go look down some rosters, look at some uh, possible, you know, big names or whatever that um, maybe didn't get the a fair shake, you should you could say. Uh, maybe those are the guys that might want to go back to MLL, but uh, we'll see what uh, happens there. But I don't expect anybody to be leaving this year, uh, maybe next summer, though. Um, and then before we get out of here, I do want to touch on uh trade made yesterday. I know I talked a bit about it on the podcast yesterday. Lomar Dennis going to Atlas. I do have an article up on lacrossebucket.com right now. Just put it up before I hit record on here. How Lamar Dennis fits into this Atlas offense. Uh, talk about the two-man, uh, the duo that he could possibly have with Eric Law. They had a duo going before with the Denver Outlaws uh, when they played prior. He's also played with Chris Cloutier, So, uh, And Lamar Dennis is a guy that really, I think, can balance the offense of Atlas and really provide more midfield production for them. And I, I you know him and Label are both kind of downhill Dodgers, so who who does the defense have to respect more? Um, you respect one guy too much, Label you know, respect Dennis too much, Label's open on the side, um, and we know he can shoot the ball. Similarly with Label, um then you look at the attack spot, Eric Law, double Eric Law. Lomar Dennis is up top. Uh, we saw that happen multiple times with Jordan Jordan, uh, Jordan Wolf last year, I believe, um, and Guttering as well, uh, where he was open. Lomar was open. He didn't get as much run with Chrome last year as I think he wanted to. Got him left unprotected, didn't get picked, requested a trade, and now he's with Atlas, and I think this is a good landing spot for Dennis. We're going to end it on that today, guys. Again, thanks for listening in to the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. As always, you can find us on social media, at Lacrosse Bucket, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. My personal is at Tanner underscore Dimling, lacrossebucket.com, where it's always lacrosse season.